Hello, welcome back to the Pit Stop Podcast. I'm Braden Dallacoltman. I'm joined, as always, by Jordan Dallacoltman. We're going to be recapping uh, a fun race in Monaco two weekends ago and teeing up the race in Azerbaijan this weekend. Um, qualifying starts tomorrow, or today, I guess, is when listeners will be uh, tuning in. And, uh, and a fun race on, on, uh, on Sunday. So here we go. Monaco. Jordan, what's everybody got to know about Monaco? It's the second smallest country in the world. Isn't it a little fishing town? Isn't that the big yeah. thing that you were on about last week? Well, it's a joke because it's, it's, it's the biggest little fishing town in the world. Yeah, yeah. But it's the second smallest country in the world after the Vatican City. Uh, apparently, there was a race there two weekends ago. Um, I'm... I'm not excited to tell you that uh, Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton did not finish in first, but I am excited to tell you that there were a lot of different uh, poll uh, uh, positions changed uh, all the way from qualifying. We had uh, Charles Leclerc finish first and yet not finish the race at all. Uh, what happened? It didn't start the race. Um, yeah. So that I told you guys last week, uh, I told Braden, watch qualifying. If you don't usually watch qualifying, if you're new to F1 and you're just a race watcher, that's fine. But there are certain races in the calendar that you definitely want to watch qualifying for if you're not watching it every weekend, which I do recommend because it's a whole different side of the sport that I think is really exciting. It's just, you know, the sprint style guys just flat out trying to get the best lap times. And you could really see the technical skill of uh, which drivers are good racing drivers and which guys are just amazing driver drivers. Anyway, qualifying so important in Monaco a couple of weeks ago because it's such a narrow course, very hard to pass. Um, that's how it has always been. Uh, it's a very narrow street course. So the way in which the the grid lines up to start the race really plays a factor. Um, it's also the first time, I believe, in like seven or eight um, trips to Monaco that we didn't have a single uh, driving incident, no yellow flags, no red flags. The race went from start to finish with no interruptions, which is very rare at Monaco. So the drivers were on their best behavior and kept many the close calls. Yeah. But as Braden alluded to qualifying was very dramatic. So Charles Leclerc and his Ferrari had a great, um, lead up to the weekend. We, t- we talked about that on the preview last week. It looked like Ferrari was really getting it going. So was Carlos Sainz and obviously Charles Leclerc hometown kid, Monaco's home. So he was really excited about the opportunity to perform well. He did perform well. He had the fastest qualifying lap in Quali 3. So he was in pole provisional pole position, let's call it, as there were still two or three, I think, drivers behind him. I think Carlos Sainz also had to still have his fastest lap. So Verstappen, Bottas, and Sainz were all still ready to do a fastest lap when Charles Leclerc, who was still coming back around, unfortunately put his car in the wall, lost control at a corner because, again, tight. And it, it meant that qualifying had to be suspended. And they had run out of time, so they weren't able to complete qualifying. So Charles Leclerc won qualifying, got pole position. But then the big question mark was, how much damage did he do, right? And uh, all the way through up until the race, there was a lot of question marks about what was going to happen. Now, there are two sort of major rule things that came into play. One, a team can change out the power unit or the gearbox in the car 
but in doing so, they have to give up qualifying positions to do. I believe it's five spots. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that if that's the right number, but I know you have to give up qualifying because you didn't technically qualify with the car that with you're that now gearbox. starting. Exactly. Right, gearbox right. or power unit. There's a couple other uh, uh, sort of car components that are considered so critical that it's like having a new car. So Ferrari took a gamble. And they are they and the mechanics and the engineers decided instead that they would focus on seeing how much damage there was and whether or not they could get the car to work with the current gearbox and power unit. Now they couldn't. Uh, he went out on a um, warm up lap that every driver does, and the and the car uh, I believe it just had shifting issues. The gearbox was too damaged, um, but but by that point it was too late to change it. They had already committed to that being the car that they were going to send to the grid. So they had to retire the car before the car even made it out there. And because of the timing, uh, again, there's there's very strict rules about when these decisions have to be made by the FIA. So even though Max Verstappen qualified second, he didn't then get pole. They just left um, one of the they, they they left the pole position open. Um, the front row of of the grid was only had one car, and that then led to a very interesting start to the race because it meant Bottas had a clear line, although he was starting further back. And Verstappen actually, <laughs> he lined up inside of uh, his his starting marks almost on like a, I don't know, like a 14 or 15 degree angle facing right towards where Bottas was going to be. And he cut him off right at the beginning, took the lead and, and then ended up uh, really doing well because of that. But yeah, Charles Leclerc, heartbreaking, I'm sure for him, really hard for Ferrari and just uh, one of those unfortunate things that that f1 and the way the rules work and this the the margin for error is so so slim in monaco so that's sort of the recap of of how the beginning of that race began and then obviously the race itself but he wasn't there to race yep. it well you talk about skill drivers uh sebastian vettel showed off his abilities in tight quarters uh who else impressed you when it when it you know we talk about the uh you know, the factor of this race is, is truly the, the skill of the driver's uh, maneuvers, uh, you know, and, and mm -hmm. tight ability, tight quarter abilities. Yeah, well, I, I mean, obviously, Verstappen had a very good race. He was very conservative with his tire management and was able to hold off all challengers. Um, we'll get to Mercedes in a minute because they had a lot of issues um, that I know we want to talk about. But the, for me, the, the real driver of the day uh, was Lando Norris. I was really impressed with how Norris... Um, performed he uh was in that you know golf livery we were talking about before there was a lot of uh, attention let's say on that team all weekend because of that they sort of drew attention to themselves um but what was awesome was just how uh just how ag aggressively he drove even you know in tight tight quarters he began i believe fifth on the grid and he finished on the podium in third so you know he he got lucky a little bit you know bottas and charles leclerc weren't there so when you look by the end you know obviously they weren't there neither of them finished so you know he he got a little bit of help moving up in the sense he didn't have to pass people necessarily but he did have to drive well and he was pushed hard from behind um but he played, he drove really, really well. And again, you know, we've talked about him a couple times this season. I really think that McLaren's made some huge step forward, huge steps forward. And he and Russell, for me, are the two biggest, brightest, you know, stars up and coming that we just yeah. keep your eye on them and Gasly. I'd, I'd throw Gasly into that mix for sure. But I think Lando Norris and Russell have potential to be even more than what we've already seen from Gasly because we have seen Gasly in one of those top cars and it just didn't really, he just wasn't able to, to, it's too to, early. to, to excel. It's too early. But 
but Lando Norris, whew, he's uh, he's been my yeah, favorite driver this season so far. Well, what happens to Ricardo? Does he figure this thing out with McLaren, or does it? You know, do they? Does he see his a new team again next year? No, I don't think so. I think they're happy with him. I think he's happy. Um, but he finished twelfth. Yeah, no, no, I know. The... But I think the other thing you have to think about is he's been in three different cars in the last six years. Yeah. Very different components, very different styles of vehicles. They're driven in different ways. You know, we don't we we think oh they're all the same car, but they're really not. They're completely different cars. The everything from how the steering wheels laid out with controls how each car handles each of that information and control the communication with the team the way in which the team just everything is different and so he has some adjusting to do he's obviously a veteran driver so at, at the end of the day you know his skill um yeah. helps him get through that but i do think there's there's some adjusting to it we also you know carlos science has also expl- expressed a similar feeling he's bumped into a few different cars recently um but he's obviously have a good start to the season. I think Ricardo, unfortunately, I think Ricardo's window of being like an elite driver is closing very quickly because, you know, he probably will have had his best years when he was back with Red Bull. That's just going to be the reality of his career. That doesn't mean though that he can't be one of those veteran drivers out there on the grid that is opportunistic. We saw him get a podium last year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if he is gets a couple more in his career. But I don't know if he's chasing the top step the way he once was. That's just, it's just where he's at. But, you know, if Lando can drive that car that well, it means the machine underneath him is capable of more than he's putting into it. So if he can get it to work, yeah, we could see some more from yeah. Ricardo. And it and, is a good vehicle. And, and you, know. you know, we'll talk, maybe we'll talk about him in the second part here because he also had a great practice uh, at uh, Baku. His first half of the track, I believe, during practice one was the fastest okay. time put up. So, you know, maybe he just needs the right, uh, the right, circumstance to sort of all line up for him but yeah one more note on uh this this monaco race somebody we don't talk about often uh giovanazzi he got points and yeah, he, romeo uh has some points now which is awesome yeah um yeah you know another one of those young drivers um that we need you know you need to pay attention to as um as we go through the season, just in terms of where his development is. Yeah. He's on one of those teams that no one is expecting to sort of um, take huge steps forward as a team, but each of those drivers, whether they're driving for Williams or they're driving for Haas or they're driving for alpha uh, Romeo or even the alpha tour guys, frankly, all those guys are the next generation for the elite drivers. So they, some of them are going to really, you know, you're going to then see whether or not, they actually have what it takes to, to to get there, and if they can succeed, even in those incremental things in the in the weaker cars, then you really, I mean, George Russell has driven the hell out of that Williams, right? That shows you he's a better driver than what the car is capable of. Uh, better drivers, uh, somebody else we don't often talk about in this uh, format it would be the losing ways of the Mercedes. What <sighs> happened to them during the Monaco race? Yeah, tough no, week. Lewis. Lewis got Lewis qualified for you know in seventh, and I think yeah. that's where he finished. Yes, the Mercedes had a very tough weekend right from the beginning. They had a very tough weekend. Um, bad qualifying for Lewis, not the kind of qualifying that we have expected and seen from him. And then Bottas just unlucky. I mean, if there isn't a, a more unlucky driver uh, in F one, I don't know who it would be. Like Valtteri Bottas, already the second seat at the best team. You know, you're a six seven time champion as a team but you've got the second driver that just cannot catch a break we saw a couple times last year 
you know, and either he was in the position to win a race or at least make a podium. And he was either let down by a pit crew or he was let down by, you know, conditions. Or we saw a couple of races ago, you know, he was hit from behind by the Williams of Russell and just bad luck sometimes and just circumstances. But yeah, he's, he's unfortunate. This week, it was one of the most strange incidents we've seen in a very long time in pit row. I uh, brought his Mercedes in. Everything looked good, but they could not get the front right tire off. Um, it just wouldn't go and we've seen that a couple times maybe the you know the um lug nut the, the gun just misfires or it slips or something but what appeared to happen was it got cross threaded right so then it locks up on there and there's physically okay. no way to deal with it and then the actual the actual gun stripped the bolt to the point at which there was nothing left for it to grip and they saw oh, i mean they realized very quickly this happened in, within a matter of seconds how how fast it escalated and then it was over and they had to retire the car and in fact that wheel remained on the car um for i believe 72 hours and the car physically had to be shipped back to brackley their factory in england to have the the wheel removed because they couldn't even saw it off. Like it was so um, severely damaged uh, that they had to remove it. And the unfortunate part about it is, you know, there was a lot of finger pointing um, for the Mercs last week. Uh, Toto Wolf was a little bit critical of, I guess, where Valtteri stopped the car he claimed that he didn't come all the way into where his stop marks was so the we you know the wheel gun might have been a little bit off when it went onto there but it feels like oh, that's on. such a, a thin margin yeah, um, so that was frustrating on. and then lewis also was difficult because you know one of the things we've complimented mercedes on all season is their strategic superiority to red bull and we saw in barcelona how their strategy just completely won them a race, right? They outthought Red Bull with the two-stop strategy. This week they got they got caught. They just they they didn't have a good strategy. They brought Lewis into the pits where they did when they did, and as he was coming out of the pit, he was passed by Vettel, and they all of a sudden he had given up two spots um, on just a bad timing of a pit change. And it, it seems like such a simple thing, but when you're that good. You know, the margin for error is so small. Lewis was criticized later for some of his post-race comments. He sort of, people felt he had thrown the team under the bus. You know, he said, I quote, we lost a lot of points today for a really, really poor performance from the team. I'm definitely a little bit surprised by it, but these things are sent to try us. Three places it cost us the strategy. I don't really have a reaction to it. I think we do all of our talking in the background and we'll work together and try to come out with come out stronger people felt he kind of threw the team under the bus there however well it's a he, team though he's talking yeah. about him as a and team he did and... he did clarify it this weekend when he was asked at the pre-race uh, the pre-race weekend uh press conference about his comments and he, he said and again i quote in the heat of the moment you don't always say the best thing as i think constructive criticism oh. <laughs> is always a good thing but said behind closed doors and that's what i should have done so okay okay so, I, I mean, mean you know, the guy is highly competitive right? when was the last time he wasn't on on the podium like two years <laughs> well no, this I guy think he missed a couple last year but no it's not very rare sure. very rare so rare. rare uh um, you know so yeah. for all all fans were you know a little jubilant for a weekend and you know i mean we want success for i want success for lewis i think he's one of the greatest of all times if not the yeah uh but at the same time you know there are 20 drivers on the track and it's yeah. it's great to see uh, like we've been talking about Vettel, Gasly, Norris. Um, yeah, you and, know, get and it. I think it, it, you know, just to finish up 
Monaco, it's important to point out Max Verstappen did win. And more importantly for oh, him, yeah. <laughs> Max Verstappen now takes the points lead for drivers championship. And it's the first nice. time in his career that he has led that. So, you know, he should, he should That's get a pat cool. on the back for that. He first yeah, time winner at Monaco, buddy. lots of, lots Keep of positive things for Red Bull. And they were, you know, very close. Sergio Perez probably was 10 laps um, away from passing uh, Lando Norris or catching Lando because Lando was struggling with his tires. If that race is just a little bit longer, you could have seen two Red Bulls on the podium. A little so another, longer or well, if Sergio Perez was back in you know, yeah. P19, maybe he could catch him. <laughs> well, that's the strategy part that it came into play, right? Everyone expected there to be a yellow flag in a safety car at some point because there always is at Monaco right, and right. there just wasn't. So I think a lot of team strategies were were built around expecting that to happen and then when it didn't i mean that's what gotcha. killed that, that lance stroll had a chance to be in the points and it just was a bad race for them because they expected to utilize a safety car and it just wasn't there so sometimes you get you just you don't get lucky right all right well that was monaco this episode of the pit stop podcast is brought to you by roma pizza and donaire we all know that the best thing about edmonton is the many donaire options and I know if you're like me, it can be overwhelming and stressful trying to hunt down the best. Well, my friends, we have found it and it's time you did too. Roma Pizza and Donaire in Westbrook Aspen Gardens is Edmonton's best kept secret. There's nothing quite like piping hot meat getting shaved and served with a generous ratio of sweet sauce. And look, I know someone out there is saying, yeah, no, that's not really my thing. Well, hold your horses because there is more. Roma Pizza and Donaire not only serves Edmonton's best Donaire, but they also offer Roma pizzas, dinner platters, chicken wings, chicken fingers, chicken nuggets, chicken tawook, burgers, salads, subs, baklava, coconut cake, and with summer right around the snow-covered corner, they also have summer specials, deep-fried pickles and deep-fried Oreos. But hey, don't take my word for it. Sometimes tasting is believing. To order, call them at 780-944-9696. That's 780-944-9696. They're open every day except Sunday from 11 until 11 and open till midnight Friday and Saturday. You can also follow them on Instagram at Roma Pizza Donaire. All right, we got a fun race in Azerbaijan this weekend in the city of Abaku on the Western Caspian Sea. Yeah, I beautiful. Had that up beautiful. Me. I have no uh, idea where this place is. Middle East, uh, east of Turkey, north of Syria, and right as you said on the Caspian Sea. Beautiful course. Another street course. So we get back-to-back -back street courses. This one is a little more forgiving, but uh, not a lot if you watch practice. So what? What's to expect this weekend? Um, tricky conditions. Let's put it that way. Beautiful sunny days. Track though is has a couple really tight corners. Turn one okay. has a yeah. huge runoff area because there's an expectation that guys are going to take it a little bit aggressively. Um, practices on Friday, I think four or five cars um, had took damage on you know just really tight corners, pushing it all the way. A lot of cars had to use the runoff areas, lockups, and just weren't able to kind of get the conditions right. So uh, qualifying will be interesting again to see how, how what team gets it dialed in. Um, differential makes a big, big, big factor in this, that the teams that are able to get that car, you know, uh, just dialed right, it's going to work for them, but it's going to be a little bit easier to pass than in Monaco's street track. So that 
should lead to a little bit more exciting racing. Uh, if I was going to bet on it, I would expect there to be a couple safety cars, but I also expected them in Monaco, so you never know. But it's the kind of track where that kind of strategy could really come into play. But um, no, it should be another good race. And obviously, there are a lot of teams that following Monaco are looking for either a bounce back week or to carry on with where they were. So there's a lot on the line after such an iconic race. Uh, well, it'll be Monaco. it'll be nice to see, you know, hopefully, knock on wood, that uh, that ferrari team gets two cars into the race charles leclerc <laughs> has a big race this weekend uh charles leclerc did have an accident in practice he lost his front wing had to make a decision okay. he locked up coming out of turn one and had to make a decision between the runoff and just trying to make the corner and he chose to try to make the corner and didn't so he took took off the front wing so you know his but the his, gearbox is fine right? <laughs> so far so good yeah and obviously they none of there's you know they can change things out after practice but it tells you that they're pushing and that is exactly what you're looking for and i think the ferraris both uh, i believe verstappen had the fastest times coming out of practice but the ferraris were two and three so that car has really made a huge leap forward after such a dismal year last year and that's it's always fun to see the red cars up there so uh ferrari's gonna have a good weekend if they can keep everything uh, going in the right direction what uh you know what else um what else in terms of skill capabilities what, what what's necessary in this kind of a race well you talked about uh, ricardo in the first section and this is the kind of course that he has often succeeded in because he is a very skilled overtaking driver and it is a tricky course to nor to, to to take to overtake but he is he has often found success um at some of the street uh, courses. I know he's often done well at Singapore. He's obviously won Monaco when he was with Red Bull. Um, so, you know, he, he has an opportunity uh, to take some steps forward. Um, I would also, I mean, it's so hard to tell where Valtteri Bottas is, uh, even just in his head because of all the sort of drama surrounding him. But he has often done well on street tracks too. So, uh, I mean, there's lots of guys who who could have a good weekend. Lando Norris again, hopefully. I think both McLarens. Honestly, there's an interesting thing going on because if you remember, McLaren's the only team that changed out their power unit this year. They went to the Mercedes engine. They've obviously found success with it already. I think they're downplaying how good their car is. I think they know their car is better than it's performed and they're just still getting it to where they want it to get to. Um and I think they're downplaying how fast it is. And if they can catch the right. What track, do you mean by that? Why, how, why would they be downplaying that? Well, cause they're still trying to figure things out and they don't want to give away anything. Um, strategically, they want the other teams to, to have to sort of dig through the analytics to figure out exactly what their car is capable of. When well, they're making the, decisions about right, whether to right. undercut them or overcut them pit stop wise, right. you know? So I think that's where they're at right now. They're still figuring it out. I think, Obviously, we've talked a lot about them. They're going to have a good season all year long. They're going to have a good car. This is a car that's being built for next year. They're going to be really good in the next coming years if this car keeps moving the way it's moving. And that's what I think um, you're going to see. But again, you know, they've been in contention every single race. And the right, you know, the right um, safety car moment or the right strategic opportunity happens or somebody else makes a mistake or blinks and they're going to be right there on the top of the podium this season somewhere um but in the meantime like i said i mean third step's not bad when you're when you're chasing those guys up at red bull and mercedes and and i think uh we could see that again this weekend who uh who's 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 your top three in this race who's gonna well i think you probably see a ferrari up there um 
think Sergio Perez is nipping at the heels there. I think he's capable of more than he's given already in this Red Bull. He also has to figure this car out, right? Um, and I think Mercedes is going to have a good bounce back weekend. It's a good track for both of those drivers. There's potential for them to do well. The usual suspects, I guess, is what I would say. I don't think we're going to have any surprises unless there's some early crashes, which is very possible on a track like this. You know, you could get a, a an incident early in the race that could unfortunately catch a few guys up and you can see what happens. But we'll know a lot after qualifying as to where the teams look, but it's a little early to say. And weather, we should be predicting a very hot day. Yeah, nice sunny day, hot day. Yeah, tire tire um, conditions will be pretty standard. So they'll, you know, they'll have to do what they have to do with it. It's not a very I, hilly course, I believe. It's definitely not as hilly as somewhere like Monaco. There's a, there's a few more sort of flat out areas, but, um, you know, it's a street course. There's lots of tight turns. Hilly, less hilly though. Yeah, more downforce. A lot more downforce, yeah. All right, I've got uh, I've got Lewis Verstappen, <laughs> and I've got Norris getting another third position. I think nice. he's going like to keep that. up his keep up his uh, his momentum. Momentum is a big thing. We've been talking about it with mm-hmm. uh, with a lot of different sports lately, <clears throat> the Oilers mainly. But uh, <laughs> um, I I wanted to bring one thing up. Last week, I believe it was, or two weeks ago, on our last episode, I believe you asked me about Haas. So I did a little more digging. <laughs> Uh, who? You were, yeah, you People were asking saying, me. Who? Well, what is? Why are they there? What? What do they want? That's out of right. This? Yeah. What the hell's going and on? So I did a little more digging, and the truth is, uh-huh. uh, they they have they're not even developing their car this year. They're embezzling money. No, but they're not developing their car this year. What I mean by that is that oh. they are not week to week like most teams continue to develop the car, make adjustments, well, try new things. Here's why: to? they're working Lazy towards man. next year, so. Their engineers and their mechanics back at the at the factory are working on next year's car. So what they're doing (laughs) is throughout this year, they're testing things that are really meant for next year's car. So they're testing a new aerodynamics package uh, this week during practice, but it won't go into races. They're going to use it as research for next year. So the point is, it's one of those. It's a transition year. It's not. It's very similar to what Ferrari did last year, where Ferrari literally turned their engine down did not race at full power to to test other components of the car um because there's so many different factors that go into what making one of these machines you know top top uh performance that you have to sometimes isolate different elements of it to be able to identify how they each piece works in con, you know in, in in conjunction with yeah. other things. So Haas, just seems Haas is developing you know, like, their don't drivers. It's uh, like a rebuild F two team. Or they just can Haas practice doesn't, that I team. Don't believe. Yeah, they do all that research, but they've just ex- they just they, yeah, they, okay. they I think what they realized they're like, was they're just... well, there was there were all these rules right about not every team had to race basically the same cars last year. Um, they weren't allowed to do like wholesale big changes. They had the two token system. Teams oh. had to make things for what last year's car was coming to this year because of COVID. There were all these rules about basically what car it was. Now everyone made little changes. Man, the, the FIA team... has so many rules. Is that book like five volumes? Yeah, it is. <laughs> there's a oh my goodness. There, there's a, a lot of different pieces. This was about safety. They didn't want the full factories back there with people jammed full of you know, okay, the thousands okay. of people working and just yeah. to try to even the playing field. So that's why, again, only one team changed their power unit. They're all mm-hmm. running engines that they worked last year, right? They make changes to it. We've now seen a couple different teams try new aero 
dynamics packages, the Aston Martins on a new aerodynamics package. There's been a little bit of controversy about Red Bull's back wing um, and the flexibility of it, suggesting that it's flexing more than might be to the rules. So this race actually, uh, the FAI, speaking of your rules, has installed teeny little markers on everyone's wings that they are able to track with cameras to see how much flex is actually going on um, to see whether or not Red Bull might be giving themselves an advantage. It's, you know, it's, it's all these little tiny things where teams are are scouring you know every piece of analytics and every detail of of the telemetry coming off the cars to try to identify the slightest thousandth of a second they can gain strengthwise right it's the whole controversy last season about um the DOS system and the ability that um that mercedes was able to develop a, a a way for their, their the tire alignment to be changed manually by the driver uh, by pulling in and out on the steering wheel. So they were physically, you know, every car sets their, uh, their front uh, wheel base to a specific angle, right? No, the wheels aren't flat. They're, they're angled in a little bit for, for, for grip and adjustment for downforce and all that. Mercedes realizing there was no rule about being able to change that angle decided to try a new technology the DOS system right. and what they were able to do is during a race as you came into a corner or out of a corner the driver could actually manually change the incline of those crazy while red bull said this shouldn't be allowed they didn't like the fact that mercedes had this advantage they took it to the fia the fia bans it and then the rule changes now there's Ugh. a rule about it now red somebody, bull might be getting somebody whined and the whole Christian thing is Horner. trying to be advances totally like, but it's why about making why sure wouldn't they just say hey red bull why don't you try to make one <laughs> that's a good question that's the way the sport works right and sometimes that is what happens i mean um different rules about differential in the old days had to do with that active suspension was a big thing that came in you know williams was inventing active suspension i think in the 90s and and other teams eventually figured it out and then it became legal because they were able to regulate it's all those kind of things so, so it's when weird, it's a very figures big out how to have a car yeah, exactly. like mercedes exactly. we're gonna get some more well no that's what happened last year with the pink mercedes remember the, yeah, um, I thought that was just the color. <laughs> hey, that looks a lot like our old. <laughs> yeah, they well they copied maybe they maybe they copied the the. the hey, car. that car has four wheels and a wing and a front wing and a. I will say wheel. here, uh, I know it. I know we're we're running over time, so I'll, I'll keep it brief. But I we're always running over time. Um, I think we've covered most of Baku, but I'll offer one thing as just a. I didn't make this content. I I don't. We don't have any endorsement from F one. But if you go to the F one web or YouTube page. You know, they have great content. They've got different, you know, preview shows, much like this, and lots of recap stuff. But the nice thing, obviously, they also have is all access to all the radio stuff. And they've created a little video um, with previously unseen radio communication at Mercedes from that Barcelona race I referenced earlier with this unbelievable strategy of midway through the race deciding to go to a two-race strategy, get faster wheels on Lewis's car. He was able to catch and pass for Stappen, who was on the older wheels, and won the race. They just outsmarted Red Bull. But they have this, it's probably like a seven or eight minute video. They've condensed the race down to some key moments, but you also can see the inner workings of Mercedes. There's this amazing moment where over the radio, some race engineer who they make it look like he's sitting in an office. He probably isn't even on pit wall. He's literally sitting in front of a computer, watching the race, studying 
you know, what the telemetry coming off the car is, doing the math. And what he's figured out is, and he, this guy, you hear him on the radio, figure it out. He goes onto the radio, he calls ahead to one of the chief strategists who's sitting on the, you know, the guy responsible for race strategy. He calls and he says, hey, I've seen something. Guy says, hey, what did you see? He goes, if we go to, um, he says some code name for what this plan is. He goes like, it's like, plan d part two so they've you know they've got all these different <laughs> it's, it's like a football playbook right they've got a thousand like the canadian different government's plan on reopening from COVID. something like that but he goes you know if we go to this strategy like this we could catch for stopping on lap 67 because his tires are 42 laps old and lewis will have fresher tires uh, if he gets an outlapped time of something something hundreds of a second he'll be able to catch him by this point at this part of this okay. at turn seven and the guy's done yeah. all this you know it's some guy crunching numbers and he's figured this out and the you know the 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 strategist goes okay i don't know if that's a i don't know if that'll work or not but just hold on to that idea for a second a couple more laps go by and then you know it starts moving up the food chain and all of a sudden you have toto coming on the radio saying okay um explain the strategy idea to me the guy says it to him he goes all right if we're going to do that we need to do it now and the guy goes well i think we have to wait a little bit i don't think it'll work right now and he and you know toto goes you either do it now or it won't work and then Toto says, but you wait till the very last second, because if Red Bull knows what's going on, their strategists will figure out what we're doing. So you got to call it at the very last second. Okay. So all this information is happening in the background. And then uh-huh. at the last, like, well, he's on the lap that he's going to pit during, they then give that strategy to his race engineer, Bono, who's the one, Bonington, who's talking in his ear, right? Hey, Bonington, we're going to strategy D part three. Guy flips through his book. Oh, okay. And he goes, uh, okay. Hey, Lewis, um, we're, we're changing strategy. Lewis, Lewis <laughs> comes penguin. back. Yeah, Lewis comes back. Okay, whatever you say. And pit. And he just dives into the pit lane. And then you hear over the radio, because they've also got Red Bull. Red Bull scrambles. They have no idea what's going on. They're like, okay. why is he pitting again? He's giving up on it. Like, he should be able to chase us down. They get a quick pit change, thank God. He gets back out there. He's he gives up like three positions. He starts gaining them back. He catches up to to Bottas. I don't know if you remember this is the race. Bottas didn't just get out of the way for him, even though the team asked right. him to. So Lewis had to pass him. Lewis catches him. Lewis wins the race. It's just this great breakdown of the strategic superiority of of Mercedes. But more every team is doing this. There's a thousand guys working well behind the scenes. Admittedly, Haas is but not that's the thing. <laughs> well, but they they are. It's just about the skill level of the people right, working right. there, right? And the question is, is F1 about good drivers or good teams? And at the end of the day, it's both. You have to have both pieces. Lewis has to be able to then execute that plan flawlessly. He has to get an outlap time of a specific thing. He has to cut a certain amount of speed off of every single lap to catch him by said and such lap. He caught him a lap earlier than what the analytics suggested he should be able to catch him, which means he was overperforming the car. It's fantastic. You missed you know, one component, everything works. though, of F1. <laughs> yes. Is, so what were the two that you just described? engineering and driving yeah yeah and then there's money well sure of course you hire the best because you have the resources (laughs) to have the best that's true i'm not going to deny that you're making jet airplane jet you know these are yep these are intense machines um all right well thank you jordan we've got the race at baku city circuit sunday june 6th at 6 a.m gosh set your pvr 6 a.m mountain time 
Um, yep, yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing. And then uh, we're supposed to have uh, the Canadian Grand Prix uh, following that, but I believe that that's been cancelled. Yeah, unfortunately, not uh, not ready for that yet. A few actual changes too to the season already. I believe Singapore has also pulled out. So F1 will have to be making similar changes like last year to figure out where they're going to go to get their whole season done. But we'll see what happens. Lots could change. All right. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, that was Pit Stop. The Pit Stop podcast is presented by Hattrick Sports and is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. The show is produced by Jordan and Braden Dollar Coltman each week, but mainly Jordan. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening.